John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And, of course, on our phones right now is uh, Bob Condota of the Seattle Times. And so, Bob, uh, kind of give your impressions of what positive things or so that you saw from the defense yesterday. What went right? Yeah, well, I, I thought they played, well, maybe three things. Obviously, they, they blitzed really well. And they had a blitz package that they executed really well. Bobby Wagner was, you know, unstoppable on that. I mean, four quarterback hits and the two sacks. And um, you saw DJ Reed get in there. A couple times, and just sort of the way they were doing that, it, it made a lot of sense to do that with Garoppolo. And you know, I think he's still a little gimpy. We saw him leave the game late. Uh, running is not really his thing anyway. Um, you know, so just kind of really getting after him, I think, was was a good way to go. Um, you know, I think I thought they played really assignment sound. Um, you know, San Francisco's a team that can confuse you with a lot of their motions and guys crossing and all that kind of stuff. And, and it seemed like you know they really did a good job with that. They there weren't just receivers running, you know, that were wide open all over the place. Um, as you sometimes see with the 49ers, you know, where the running back just slips, you know, behind behind everybody or something like that. And then just the way they came up with big plays, you know, those the first couple drives, you saw the 49ers look like they're moving, moving in a little bit, but then you see the Seahawks come up with, you know, big stop on third down on the first drive to kind of knock them out of, you know, even you know, range and, you know, then the interception. And then, you know, just flat dominant there. I mean, you look, five, you know, the 49ers, the five drives sort of in the middle of the game there. They don't gain more than four yards on any of them and gain a, gain a net of three yards on five drives from the middle of the second quarter to the beginning of the fourth. Um, you know, we just we haven't seen this defense do that at, at any point this season. And so that's a really encouraging sign. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and I thought that one guy, of course, I don't know. I guess we have to definitely speak up about Bobby Wagner because there's been a little bit of that theme. It's like, oh, is he living up to his $18 million contract? Well, yesterday, yeah, I think he exceeded it. For sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, when you have that big of a contract, it obviously you know, leads to really high expectations. And we've seen Bobby play so well for so long. You know, the Seahawks have had so many kind of moving parts this year everywhere. And I think that's, uh, you know, Bobby, I think, has to take on a lot of responsibility for making sure, uh, you know, people are in the right spot. And, you know, last week he, he's kind of helping break in Jordan Brooks and what was really his first, you know, kind of real start where he played was really playing a full game. And, you know, there's been a lot of different guys kind of um, in the back end, obviously, trying to get everybody situated and all, all, and all of that. And, uh, you know, so maybe maybe there's been a game or two where that sort of caught up to Bobby a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I felt in general, I mean, I thought the first three or four games of the year, I thought he was playing pretty well. Um, you know, he had some, we were kind of raving about his pass defense. Um, you know, kind of oddly, they were obviously giving up a lot of yards on those games. But, but Bobby and the, and the linebackers in particular, it seemed like we're playing pretty well. Um, you know, the first month or so of the season. And, um, you know, uh, the, the Arizona game obviously got away from everybody a little bit there. But, you know, yesterday showed that Bobby is, you know, is still maybe the best middle linebacker in the game. Yeah, no doubt about it. What's your thoughts on DJ Reed and how that story kind of – because he really helped out at a big time. Yeah, he <clears> really <throat> did. Um, you know, it's a really interesting story. I, uh, You know, I remember the day they – I mean, not this that long ago, but, you know, I guess when they claimed him, you're sort of like, why are they doing this, you know, and it, 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 it injured player – um, you know, a guy that you know, the 49ers thought they were going to be able to sneak through waivers to just get him, uh, you know, on, on IR, thinking he might not be able to play at all this season. And the Seahawks took a chance on him, and you sort of wondered about it a little bit. But, you know, a guy that I think they liked coming out of the draft and uh, thought could help him, you know, is a really versatile player, which is what you're always sort of looking for in guys who might be backups, you know, guys who could help out in a number of different spots. And I think they felt like he could do that. 
Um, and, uh, you know, so we saw Hugo Amadi get, get hurt against Arizona, and they suddenly needed a nickel corner, and, and DJ Reed was there having, uh, you know, returned to practice two weeks prior. So just sort of worked out uh, perfectly for them, and then Reed getting to play his for, against his former team in the 49ers as well. So I'm sure that was a really big moment for him. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, what is How amazed are you? Because, I mean, you know, I know Jay Glazer put out before the game that it was likely the Seahawks <clears throat> would be down three running backs. Now, they did have Travis Homer available, but he didn't play much because of the knee injury and basically it was down to DJ Dallas and, you know, a few jet sweeps and things like that. But I thought it was kind of amazing uh, to see how well they did despite having really only maybe one running back. Yeah, I mean, I think Homer played seven snaps and just, you know, as Pete said uh, afterwards, you know, just really sort of gutted it out. Um, you know, it was interesting. We, we saw Homer in kind of a, a pretty long conversation with the trainers right before, you know, they sort of had to do the actives and actives. And, and I think they were probably, you know, just telling him, look, we need you to be able to play just a few snaps here and there if, if you can, just, you know, as an emergency. And, you know, Carol said Nick Malore would have been the next man up at tailback if it had really gotten to that. And maybe they would have used a guy like Penny Hart, who I think maybe – um, you know, we saw him sort of walk out on the field with the running backs, which led to the idea that that's what that, that maybe they had uh, been working him there some this week in practice. So it was going to be going to be sort of dire there. But you know, Homer should be healthier this week. They're going to add Alex Collins to the practice squad, so they'll have another depth guy there, and maybe they get one of uh, Carson or Hyde back this week. So um, you know, it's a, another thing they they appear. Yeah, obviously, they got through it yesterday, and they may have gotten through the worst of it. Yeah, no doubt. Now, what do you think of the chances of Chris Carson uh, coming back uh, this week? I, I think there's a chance. I, you know, it's, I, I don't know that this was an overly serious injury, but that was sort of the word from from the get-go was that it wasn't that significant of a thing. But, you know, he wasn't able to practice all last week. So I think that, that uh, you know, obviously was was a sign he, it was going to be probably more unlikely that he could play. There were sort of some conflicting reports uh, over the weekend about how close he was going to be and all that. Uh, but that sometimes happens, you know, you, you, you sort of are, are hoping you get better as the week goes on. And then, you know, you, you always want to avoid having a guy suffer a re-injury that's not going to knock him out for longer, and especially in a situation, um, you know, when the Seahawks have, have some long-term goals here, hoping they're playing, playing into February. So, um, but I think there's a chance he, he, he makes it back this week. And, you know, Pete said on his radio show today that Carson was already feeling a lot better this morning. Um, with that foot. So, you know, we'll see if he can get some work Wednesday or Thursday in practice. What I'm going to be curious of is that, uh, okay, so they they bring up Colby Parkinson, so they have five tight ends, and they also, uh, you know, have Rashad Penny, who I don't know if he's going to be available this week or not. What are they going to do at the running back position and tight end? Because, I mean, do you keep five running backs if Penny's out there, five running backs and a fullback, and, you know, what happens to the tight ends? Yeah, they've got a lot of roster things coming up. Um, you know, Pete made a sound today like Penny's probably not going to come back this week, but at some point in the next couple of weeks, they're going to have to make a decision on that. Um, you know, I think it's by week 11, right? That they'll, mm-hmm. that they'll have to do something one way or the other with Penny. So, uh, you know, maybe they'll just play that out as long as they can because, as you know, there's going to be a tough roster decision there. The tight end thing, um, they're going to have to make some kind of move there. You know, they already, I mean, Carlos Dunlap and Rasheed Green are going to be out of the 53 this week. So that's two moves right there they're going to have to make. Um, you know, we haven't seen Mike Ayupati play for a few weeks, so maybe they could put him on, on, uh, IR and, you know, just the three week thing or something like that and, uh, and, and create a spot that way. But with all these guys, um, you know, that they're adding and, and different moves being made and stuff like that, um, they, they definitely are going to have some roster decisions to make over the next couple of weeks that are going to be pretty interesting to see. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah. And what, what about Damon Snacks Harrison? 
Yeah, I mean, there's well, you've got both him and Michael Kendricks on the practice squad. Um, you know, two veteran guys, but for sure, Harris said that you, know, you, you wouldn't think either of those guys are going to be content forever just staying on the practice squad. But it was interesting seeing Harrison um, kind of take to Twitter on, on Saturday after the decision was known that he was not going to be elevated and sort of say he was okay with it. He's just still kind of working his way into shape. And, you know, I would think maybe this week against Buffalo, um, you know, is when he finally gets out there. You, you think it's got to happen at some point, but – um, you know, it's another thing though, where you know you can only do the elevation thing twice. So if he, if they do elevate him and then he plays really well and they want to put him on the fifty-three, there's another decision you're going to have to make at some point. Yeah, no doubt. That's going to be that's going to be interesting too. How how understated is the play of the offensive line? Because I think it's been really good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's been uh, it's it's. Uh, I mean, we've seen four guys. I mean, one thing you know, point out one of the things that I think has really helped is having. Um, a lot of continuity there for the most part. Other, other than Yupati, you know, they've been able to start the same other four guys for um, for all of the season with Wayne Brown at left tackle. You know, Brett Brandon Shell, I think, has been a really underrated free agent signee. You know, they they, they kind of maybe swung and missed on B.J. Finney, but I think they hit with Brandon Shell, being able to take over the right tackle spot and giving him a, a, a steadier player there than they had. You know, the pick of Damian Lewis. Um, you know, I pro football focus last week graded Damian Lewis, I think, is the ninth best rookie in the NFL so far uh, by their grading system. And, you know, he has played really well at the the, uh, the, the right guard spot. And then Ethan Posick, and, you know, Pete pointed out today that Posick had a, a sports hernia surgery, um, you know, after uh, after last season when he when he was put on IR and, th- and thinks it was something that Posick has been, had been dealing with his entire NFL career and that finally getting that fixed. Um, and, you know, kind of identifying that that was the issue and finally getting that fixed has really allowed him to finally play well and, uh, you know, stay consistently out there and all that. And then also, you know, playing in the center, which was his primary position at LSU, which Pete, Pete said in the spring was also sort of the spot. They always thought he was the best, but, you know, they drafted him and they had Justin Britt at center and they thought he could play tackle and guard, as, especially tackle, uh, maybe some as well, but, you know, guard also. So they, they were trying him at those spots, um, you know, because they had a center at the time and he was a guy they liked. But now that they, you know, with uh, Britt moving on, they, they had an opening there, and they gave him that shot. He's really taken it and run with it. No doubt about it. So this will be an interesting game against the Bills, and what's going to be interesting is that you know reinforcements coming on defense. How do you shake out what it looks like for the Bills game? Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of writing, writing up a thing. I mean, if you add uh, Rasheem Green and, and Carlos Dunlap, and, and then if you get Benson Mayoa back, I, I assume that's not an overly significant injury since he did practice on a limited basis, I think, on Friday. So um, you know, if you get just those three guys, uh, you know, you suddenly have a, a much different looking defensive line there. As noted, they're going to have to make some roster moves to make some of that happen. But then if you added a, a Snacks Harrison to that as well, mm-hmm. I mean, you could just uh, you could be just adding four, you know, pretty pretty proven veteran guys uh, sort of to the to the defensive line. Um, and then in the back end, uh, Shaquille Griffin sounds like maybe that's still a little bit of, of an iffier situation. I don't really know uh, Ugo Amadi either if that's if that's something that's going to keep them out. Um, for much longer or not, but uh, you know, if you get those guys back and, and then Jamal Adams and failing to mention the big one, and if you get Jamal Adams back this week, then you know you start to look a lot different in the secondary. So you know that's why I, you you just kind of you know no matter how some of those wins came early in the year, you just stack up the win and it's kind of you know seeing the Seahawks maybe get you know you're six and one, you you have the best record in the NFC, and you maybe add five, four or five guys like that to your lineup here at midseason. Um, you know, things start to look pretty good. Uh, Buffalo's going to be a tough trip, but at least it sounds like the weather is going to be not be an issue there at all with, I guess, temperatures in the mid-60s and, and sunny uh, expected for Sunday. So that's at least catching another break there, it looks mm-hmm. like. That's good. Hey, Bob Condota, read him in the Seattle Times. Thanks for joining us.
Okay, thanks a lot, John. Okay, and of course, uh, you can make sure that you can listen to the show on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go and take your uh, grades in the report card. That's next, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And the report card we get out each day, we look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, the anecdotes, we take the social media comments and the voices, and we attach grades to it. And, of course, Curtis Rogers has a report card, so what do we have? Well, John, yesterday in the NFL, there were a few ejections, but I I don't think there was any more memorable than the Bears and Saints brawl yesterday. Bears receiver Javon Wims and Saints cornerback C.J. Gardner-Johnson involved in a brawl that uh, had some, I guess, some backstory to it, but here is uh, here's the audio of, of how that brawl sounded. Wims and Gardner-Johnson wow. exchanged blows, and Wims wound up and punched him flat out, and now there's a big pile up and a fight underway right in front of the Bears bench. Javon Wims retaliated. That's not going to end well. Javon Wims sucker punched him. All right, so uh, He's going to be kicked out for sure. So this is That's what bad, might have happened. One. So last series, there's a mouthpiece on the playing surface. And I see, I think Javon went up there and pulled the mouthpiece out of his mouth and then hit him. So I, I would have to go back and watch the whole process of, is this retaliation for them taking the, you know, the mouthpiece from the series before? So Wims did, in fact, uh, that was part of the reason why he retaliated against Gardner Johnson. It's because Gardner Johnson pulled Wims's mouthpiece out, uh, you know, a couple plays prior. But there was also a an allegation put forth by Javon Wims towards Gardner Johnson of New Orleans that earlier in the game Gardner Johnson had spit on him, uh, which then led to Wims sucker punching him. Uh, a couple of times there on that play. So, John, how are we grading the entirety, the full scope of the brawl that we saw yesterday between yeah. New Orleans and I, I think you have to give it an F. And the reason it's an F is because it's just a mess. And, you know, I would have to think that Wims is going to get uh, a suspension out of this. I think he's deserved. But also, I mean, Gardner Johnson, remember, he was the guy who was punched by Michael Thomas. Yeah. And you have to kind of wonder, I mean, is there a little dirtiness in his play that comes about? And so uh, it's not like, I don't think you can take that into account, you know, because of the Michael Thomas incident. But it's just kind of messy. And again, I mean, particularly, can you imagine it's like here we are with a pandemic going on and you might be spitting on somebody else? It's bad from all sides, but I mean, you can see that Mims had been waiting to come back and to get the uh, ability to make that hit. And of course, it's not good, and he should be suspended. Yeah, got to give it an F all around. That's a good point you bring up there, John. Don't be swapping saliva out there, even if it's if it's an allegation. I mean, that's 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 dumb in, in its own right. Uh, but then also, you know, taking his mouthpiece out and then sucker punching, it was all bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, F all around for the Bears and Saints for that brawl yesterday. Also on the report card, John, the L.A. Chargers have, I think they, they may have taken the throne from the Falcons for the team that just loses in the most dramatic fashion. Four straight games, the Chargers have lost a lead of at least 17 points or more. One of those games, though, they were able to get the victory in the end, but four straight games, they've blown leads of at least 17 mm. points. Yesterday, they blew a lead of 21 points. They were up 24-3 to on the Broncos at one point, and then the game ends basically on, on a very fluky play. K.J. Hamler just getting the seat of his pants in the end zone. Locke rolls to his right. Locke throws a ball. End zone catch! Touchdown, Denver! 
No, he... No, what are they saying? K.J. Hamler caught the ball. Now one official. Yes, touchdown! Touchdown, Denver! So, yeah, the Chargers 2-6 and six on the season, and so many of those losses have come in heartbreaking fashion, just like what we saw yesterday against the Broncos. How are we grading the L.A. Chargers and their ability to just find every which way there is to lose? Yeah, it's funny because I'm you know, trying to finish up my Washington Post column, and uh, I was just on that note as it was, and uh, it's he gets an F. <clears throat> and I think that his hot seat just even got hotter. In fact, I mean, that's one thing that's great about Anthony Lynn. He's such an honest guy, and you got to respect that because after the game, they ask him about his job security. And, uh, you know, what's what is he worried about it? He says, hey, when you're not winning, you should be, to be honest with you. And so he is worried about maybe losing his job. I mean, because the team can't finish. I mean, they're three and 14 in games decided by eight points or less. They're two and six this year, five and 11 last year. It's a mess. Yeah, it's uh, it's an absolute mess, and Anthony Lenny he seems like a good guy, oh, as, guy. as a coach, but uh, for whatever reason, they just cannot win the close games. They cannot keep teams uh, away from from you know coming up with these late these last second victories. Uh, you wish that Justin Herbert would have a, a you know a coach or a, a team around him that. Uh, could win here because Herbert's play is definitely not the reason why they're two and six. He's been incredible uh, to start his NFL career, but yesterday just another case of the Chargers coming up with uh, just any old way to find an L. Also, John, on the report card just moments ago, Jags head coach Doug Marone confirming that Gardner Minshew was out this week, but instead of going to Mike Glennon as the starting quarterback, as everybody kind of thought they would do. Uh, they're going to have rookie quarterback Jake Luton, former Oregon State Beaver, get hmm. the starter reps in practice. Uh, I believe Luton was a late-round draft pick this year or yeah. an undrafted pick. Uh, so how are we grading the Jags basically – Going all in for Trevor Lawrence here with this move. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <clears throat> I'm gonna give it a D because it almost now looks like they're tanking. But of course, here's where the problem is: if you are indeed tanking, I mean, you're tanking both the coach and the general manager because you know they'll be changed after the season, even if they do get uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but uh, you know, it's like you know, Mike Glennon is experienced. This guy is not. And I mean, you watched Tua yesterday, and I mean, he had 93 yards passing. 93, that was it. And so what can Luton be able to do with that team? I don't think it looks good, so I'm going to give it a D. Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville's just kind of playing out the string on this season. I'm going to give it a D plus. But, yeah, going from you know Gardner Minshew, who's your starting quarterback, just not even considering Mike Glennon for that job, I think we kind of know what's up in Jacksonville. And then finally, John, a really cool story uh, from the world of college football. This Saturday, Boston College was playing Clemson, Joe Tessitore, ESPN's Joe Tessitore, formerly of Monday Night Football. He was on the call for the game. And what's interesting about Boston College's team is that his son is the holder on special teams for Boston College. Now, normally the holder doesn't, you know, get involved in any sort of play in the game, and it's, uh, you know, a pretty mundane effort from them. But Boston College ran a trick play, and Joe's son was heavily involved in it. Let's uh, take a listen to the call. So Aaron Bumeri on for the 40-yard field goal attempt. As they split out, Danny Tolkien's a
John Tessitore came up and played quarterback at the last second, and they may get a first down out of this. How about that on fourth and two? So the old holder goes up and takes the snap, uh, pretends to take the snap at least, draws the defense mm-hmm. offside for the five-yard penalty. Uh, how are we grading Joe Tessitore being able to call uh, a really cool play with his son being involved? Yeah, I have to give it an A because you think it's, it's a lifetime moment for him. I mean, what a, what a great opportunity to, uh, to be able to you know, have that happen, be able to call that game. It's something that you know, he and his son are going to remember for the rest of their lives, and so I, I kind of give it uh, a definite uh, A. Yeah, I give the Tessitores an A. I mean, everybody's got their opinion on Joe Tessitore as an announcer, uh, especially for his time at Monday Night Football. But how can you not be yeah. a, a you know a fan of that kind of moment right there? That stuff rarely happens in sports. And so shout out to, to Joe Tess for being able to have something like that with his son. That is it for today's report card, John. Hey, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at 5. Coming up next, we're going to go on to Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. It's time to go on to Busy Heart Seltzer text line and take your text questions. And <clears throat> texting us at 710-710. So, Curtis, what do we have? John, this one from the 253. They want to know which names do you think Seattle will be in the mix for tomorrow come the trade deadline? Hmm. I struggle to figure it out because it's got to be such a, almost a low salary, not a big name type of guy to be able to do it. Certainly it's not going to be like the Carlos Dunlap trade. <clears throat> that was a big name and I think a great acquisition. But, uh, you know, I still wonder, but, you know, I'm still wondering, you know, are they going to move a tight end? Is that a possibility? Because they got five tight ends on the roster. And as, you know, I know Bob Condotto was saying from the Seattle Times that, I mean, they have to, may have to make as many as four moves to add some guys from the practice squad or get injured guys back and all that stuff. So kind of wonder about that. 509 wants to know, John, how would you grade the games of both DJ Dallas and DJ Reed? Uh, DJ Reed, I think, gets a gets a solid A because, I mean, out there for 50 plays, more than that, did a good job, did some blitzing, did some good coverage, and I give a B to uh, Dallas because, again, you know, being that you know, he was pretty much on the lone back, you know, because, you know, they were going to be limited in what they had from uh, Travis Homer. I thought, you know, he, he gets a B, he did a good job. Another 509 number wants to know, John, what role do you see for Rashad Penny once he returns? Uh, backup. I mean, because, again, Chris Carson, once he's healthy, is the starter, and that's going to be a matter of how much he can move in front of Carlos Hyde to be able to get some playing time. This one from the 360. John, they want to know, who on the defensive line will get moved out of their starting role once Carlos Dunlap is available? Mm, what What are you assuming that uh, you know he's going to get in as a starter? I mean, it's going to be at the time. I certainly would be L.J. Call, well, L.J. Collier, but also I think the possibility is going to be there that he may share time with Benson Mayoa because again, it's like uh, you know Benson did not play this past week, you know, but I think that uh, he'll play this week, and you know I think Worley because I think they still want more pressure from the Leo position, and even though he's six six two two. I think he, he can do some things there. 425 wants to know, John, could Houston's Whitney Merciless be an option for Seattle? Too much money. Can't fit it into the cap. For, uh, why, why, why would they want to? He's a linebacker. 
425 is just asking. Yeah. I'm just yeah. the messenger here, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one from the 360. They want to know who will have the bigger impact on Seattle's defensive line, Snacks Harrison or Carlos Dunlap? I think Carlos Dunlap because, you know, bas- basically, you know, the need, you because, know, you know, um, Snacks is going to be behind Puna Ford and Jaron Reed. And, but again, if uh, Dunlap can come in here and get some sacks, that would be a big aid. This one from the 206, John. They want to know if you were a betting man. Do you think Alden Smith returns to Dallas after tomorrow, or does he get traded? Uh, he does not get traded. I mean, they've already gone on the record and said that they're not trading him, so as much interest as there is in him, he's going to stay. This one from the 425. They want to know, John, do you expect to hear an announcement from the league on Josh Gordon before tomorrow's deadline? Doubt it. I mean, it seems like <clears throat> just that there just doesn't seem to be enough there. And, and so it's like uh, I don't I don't expect anything. It's gone this long, and you kind of figure it's probably pretty negative. Yeah, if if he misses next week, counting what he missed last year, that's what uh, at least a twelve game suspension. Yeah, thirteen games, something like that. Yeah, he's it's pretty mind boggling that we have not heard a word on Josh Gordon's no. status since June when he when he applied for reinstatement. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one from the let's see here. This one from the 206, John. They want to know, do you think Pittsburgh is the best team in the AFC? I still go with Kansas City, but right now it's 7-0. You have to lean toward saying that Pittsburgh is because they are undefeated. You know, both teams have reasonably easy closing schedules, but I still, I mean, you know, I still look at it as, you know, top five defense for Pittsburgh, you know, defense, you know, not that bad for Kansas City, but again, I still put uh, Mahomes over Ben Roethlisberger. This one from the 509, John. They've won four in a row, so yep. are the Saints back to being a legit contender in the NFC? Yeah, you have to say so. I mean, again, you know, they are 5-2, and two, and, you know, they're still – I mean, their defense has been a little bit leaky, and, you know, they still don't have Michael Thomas back there, but I think you have to uh, lean toward uh, keeping them in the mix. This one from the 206, John. They want to know – uh, with n- no word on how long Andy Dalton could miss, do you think Dallas should pull the plug on this season? Mm, I think they've already pulled the plug. I mean, in fact, I was going to mention I'm doing my Washington Post column, and so I said, hey, you know, Mike Mike uh, McCarthy's taking a lot of criticism at two and six, um, but you know, some of the criticism has to fall back on the front office. I mean, the Cowboys spent twenty five point three five million dollars a year on six defensive players, and they're all gone. As Everson Griffin traded, you know, Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and Daryl Worley cut, and then Maurice Kennedy, uh, you know, cornerback, opted out for the year. The only one that worked out was Alden Smith. This one comes to us from the 503. They want to know which Seahawk has been the most pleasant surprise in 2020. Mm, let's see, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, maybe some who I, I thought he was going to do well, but I think, you know, uh, but you know Brandon Shell, I think you could say he was a little bit of a surprise. You know Damian Lewis, as mentioned, uh, you know as Bob Condota mentioned, uh, he was out there as you know not just the, one of the best offensive linemen, but one of the best rookies this year, and he's done a good job. So I'd say those two guys have been surprises. And then uh, you know maybe you can say you know I know it's one game, but uh, DJ Reed, and then certainly Ryan Neal because he's held down the fort at safety, you know while Jamal Adams was trying to come back. 360 wants to know, John, after his late fumble on Sunday, is Cam Newton done? 
I'm thinking, thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look good. In fact, and here's what you wonder about, because, I mean, he struggled. He did take the team and brought them back. But, uh, you know, the team's now 2-5. and five. You know, Newton, since having the positive test, he's 0-3. He's been sacked seven times, thrown five interceptions, and had three fumbles. And, of course, he had the fumble at the end of the game while he was driving. That uh, couldn't They could have put it back on top, but he made that mistake at the end, and they lose 24-21, to and their season is over. 425 wants to know, John, do you see Richard Sherman returning to the 49ers at all this season? Uh, this season, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, it's like it's not supposed to be a season ending injury, but uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, he should be back. 417, don't quite know where that area code is. Shout out to them for tuning in, but they want to know, John, who do you think is the most well rounded team in the NFC? Well, rounded, we have to go Tampa Bay because, again, you're talking about you know one of the top, if not the top, defense in the league. You know, an offense that has Tom Brady and a lot of weapons. They can run the football, so I have to put that they're the most complete team. They may not be the best team because I think you still lean towards Seattle, but they're certainly you know now probably the number two seed and uh, getting better. Four one seven. That's like Branson, Missouri. It's wow. a shout out to them. How about that? This one from the two oh six. They want to know: Can the Vikings still make the playoffs? Uh, I mean, they're not eliminated, but there's no way they really can because I think the stakes are going to be too high. You know, a lot of it's going to be where that seventh seed is. But you know, their their defense is you know so bad right now that uh, I can't imagine they could string. Because basically, what they're going to have to do is string seven out of eight games. They're two and six, and so I don't think they're able to do that. Particularly, and you know, they have so many problems at cornerback. 509 wants to know, John, what kind of issues do you think Josh Allen will give Seattle's defense on Sunday? It's kind of, well, I mean, he's a, he's a good quarterback. I mean, he's so much better than he was last year, and I mean, the, particularly with the three-receiver set that they have because it's one of the best uh, trios in football, and so uh, that's going to be a problem. That's why it's so important that you know you get Dunlap out there, you get Snacks Harrison, you get pressure on the quarterback, you get pressure on him, and force him into making some mistakes. And then this one, John, from the 425, pretty interesting one. They want to know, do you think Cleveland will keep Baker Mayfield long-term or want to po- or wait to possibly extend him until after his fourth season? I think season? they'll wait. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like I think they'll put the 50-year option on him because he's so up and down, and that's a problem. That That's going to do it for text questions. Okay, and that was on the Busy Hard Seltzer text line at 710-710. Coming up next, we are going to go ahead and do our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. It is time for our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. And so, Dave, uh, a big victory. Seattle getting their sixth win, 37-27, over the San Francisco 49ers, a team that now is in real big trouble. Thoughts on yesterday's game? Uh, really very impressive by the Seahawks in all facets of it, I thought. Uh, they, they definitely showed up to play. I, I, I was just, you know, I mean, DK Metcalf is doing a jaw-dropping play every week, and you know, his touchdown catch, that that first one was just, just a spectacular play. Uh, you know, they started slowly, but, you know, you've got something that they don't have in San Francisco and other places, and that is a quarterback that you can have complete faith in. And Russell Wilson, you know, came through with a big game. Uh, Bobby Wagner obviously answered his critics. The defense, despite being beleaguered, had a, had, a, had a great day, and Garoppolo helped a little bit. And I agree with you. I think the 49ers are in trouble. So uh, I thought – uh, best win of the year for the Seahawks, hands down, in, in most facets of the game. And you know, you look at them where they're, where they're sitting right now, six and one. And you think of all the players coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, 
this is the team that's been odds on favorite, I think, to have the best record in the NFC. Yeah, no doubt. And I thought that, uh, you know, that was a good performance. And, you know, now and we're, we're talking about the 49ers. The problems that they have is the sense that, uh, okay, number one, Jimmy Garoppolo has a high ankle, or get that high ankle sprain re-aggravated, and they got an ankle injury on George Kittle. Yeah, I don't Kittle. think that's a problem. I don't, I don't think that's a problem. Uh, stop you right there. I, I think Garoppolo is the problem. Right. I, I thought he was extremely disappointing yesterday. You know, he, he was just ineffective. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to believe that just not having his check down receiver can take everything away from him. He doesn't throw down field. Uh, he, the San Francisco papers are roasting him. Uh, Mullins was a lot more effective. I mean, he didn't even get George Kittle involved in the game. So I think that he may be, if his ankle's messed up, he may be sparing, making the decision easy for him because I think they're better off with Mullins at quarterback. Yeah, they'll have Mellon's a quarterback because they have a Thursday night game. But, boy, you talk about right. two critical games coming up. You know, they've got the Green Bay Packers uh, on Thursday, and then they come back and they have to play the New Orleans Saints. And so all of a sudden, if you're talking four and six, you're pretty well out of it. And they owned the Packers last year, too. So, I mean, yeah. Green Bay is, is out for revenge, even though they played poorly against Minnesota. Um, yeah, you, you probably are in that case, even though there's an extra playoff spot this year. So, uh, they, um, you know, they have a lot of other injuries that are obviously impacting their play. There's no getting around that, but they were no more beat up than the Seahawks were, who were down to a fourth string running back and, and still they came up and played big and, um, you know, overcame their injuries and San Francisco did not. So I, I really, I think that, um, despite their, their good last two weeks, they're not very good. And, you know, really, you know, Arizona obviously didn't play, but the Rams were terrible too. So, I mean, all of a sudden, the NFC West uh, spared the Seahawks took a few hits last, uh, yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it really turned into a good day for Seattle because now they got a little more yeah. distance between the Green Bay Packers because the Packers you know, lost their second game and uh, lost it to a bad Minnesota team. So that had to help. Then uh, you look at the, uh, you know, the fact that the Rams did lose. Arizona didn't gain any ground because, of course, they were idle this week and didn't play. 49ers are in trouble. And so uh, you know, New Orleans was able to scrape out of victory on a comeback and you know knock down chicago but uh you know i think the number one seed and it still comes down to this week and the uh, remaining two weeks after that to you know get through to get to the easy part of the schedule for seattle true but uh, i mean you know like, like we, we said at the very top i mean think of all the guys that they're going to be bringing back into their uh into the into the rotation quote unquote uh, in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. i mean Huge additions on defense. You know, you, you were, like I said, you played with a fourth-string running back. Um, you, so you're going to have big, big additions back at the running back position. Um, you know, you were down Mikey Potty on the offensive line as well. I don't know what his status will be going forward, but you know, you've got you got a bunch of talented players coming back to you the second half of the season. Um, so you know, I, I wonder how active they'll be uh, before this trading deadline tomorrow. Yeah, it's hard to tell, but uh, and you have to kind of wonder. It's like you can see some things brewing in the sense that they now have five tight ends on the roster, and then you know if Rashad Penny's available in another week or two, you know how do you are you going to go with five running backs? Because you know it's like you saw enough of DJ yeah. uh, DJ Dallas that you don't want to let him go, and you don't want to let Travis Homer go. I think you've you've learned your lesson with running backs. <laughs> you, they're, they're they're like quarterbacks. You need them so. Um, uh, if you're going to keep five of anything, it's going to be running backs over tight ends. But you're right, they, and they have got some talent at that position. If they want to make a move for another defensive player, so uh, it was it was a very good win, and it leaves the Seahawks in very good shape. 
Oh yeah, no doubt. And that, uh, that's going to be kind of fun to be able to see, uh, how that all shakes out and what all happens. But, uh, yeah, it was a good win. And the fact that they jumped off to such a big lead. And of course, everybody's still going to be complaining about the, uh, yards given up in the fourth quarter, but they seem to be meaningless. Well, they were. I mean, you know, you, you had a, you had a three touchdown lead and, and, uh, granted they, 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 they made some moves. They, again, having Mullins in there, it gave them a different look, but I think the Seahawks probably relaxed a little bit on defense. Uh, they, you know, the numbers going into the third quarter, I think they've given up 112 yards. It was a, it was a really good performance. You know, I, I talked about their game last week and, and kind of made the point that it was a little bit fluky that, that Russell Wilson would throw three interceptions and, and, uh, you know, they'd score all those points and lose that game. Well, Defensively, it was probably a little fluky this week too. I mean, you know, the odds are the defense is fixed; they're not going to be as as good as they were. But you know, it was there, were, there are positive signs there, which is what was important. I think you, you had your the chips were down. You know, you came up and you, you played a big game, and you had a bunch of guys uh, who, who really did uh, rise to the occasion. So, defense probably isn't as good as it showed. But, and and you know, again, the fourth quarter is the fourth quarter. But you know, you're sitting at six and one in an imperfect league and in, in very good shape and. Probably watching uh, the game tonight because, um, you know, the, the second best team might be that team that Tom Brady's playing for. Oh, yeah. Well, let's put it this way in the NFC, they're the most complete team because, you know, they've got right now the best defense and they've got Tom Brady and a lot of weapons. Yeah, they do. And he's playing very well. And, and uh, it's interesting. I saw Rex Ryan weigh in as Belichick is taking the slings and arrows as Cam Newton is not working out and Buffalo knocked them off. And that's actually who the Seahawks have next week, which should be a, which should be a really good game. But yeah, Brady's got a, as, as you mentioned, you know he's got a he's got a complete team there. It's not just him. Uh, they've got a really good defense. They had a really good defense last year, and you're seeing the difference. You know, and, and the, the Seahawks know this. Uh, having a quarterback that turns the ball over versus not, mm-hmm. it's just a it's just a colossal difference. And and you know, Winston had all those interceptions last year, and, and you know you're seeing the Tampa team is not doing that. So it was a little bit of getting used to each other, but. It seems to have happened there, and they seem to be on a roll. I'll tell you one guy that, not, that hasn't gotten any credit for at least this past game is Brian Schottenheimer. You know, because you think about what he was dealing with. I mean, here he yeah. was basically down to one running back, a rookie, DJ uh, Dallas, making his first start, and knowing that you have to be creative with the running game. I mean, because you, know, you had Travis Homer for a little bit, but that knee injury was going to keep him down for you know most of the game and not get him out on the field, but you know he was able to generate you know a running offense and also he had you know DJ, you know a couple of jet sweeps and things like that. Thought he did a really good job. Yeah, you know without the the fault of, of making Russell Wilson run the ball more and and, and uh, more than he wanted to and expose himself to more injuries. So I would I would I, I thought both coordinators you know you give them give them both props. Make it all three because yeah. special teams you know with the exception of the. Of the missed extra point had a terrific day uh, as well. I mean, the Seahawks, you know, they won all three facets of the game, and and you do that, you're going to win, and you're going to win, you know, by double digits, which is what they did. So, uh, I think you know, all the way around, it was a it was a good day and, and a good jumping off point for. Well, it should be a very interesting game next week. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, of course, if they can win this one, they have a great chance to go 9-1, in non-division games. Yeah, especially it, 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 it helps to be playing the, the NFC East as well. But, yeah, there's, there's again, getting healthy is going to be a big thing for them and, um, you know, shoring up things defensively. But they've got some breathing room now. And, and uh, again, a, a very good performance. You know, division games are always tough, as we know. Mm-hmm. And even though San Francisco was beaten up, I mean, they really, they really dominated them. It was just, just a real feel-good day.
No doubt about it. And so uh, that was good. So enjoy the game tonight. It's going to be, you know, Tampa Bay against the New York Giants. And, you know, I guess the great part is knowing it's Tampa Bay against the New York Giants, we can probably, you know, get to bed before the end of the game. Yeah, good sleep. point. Probably just need the first half, I yeah. would assume. Yeah, that'd be about it. Dave Grosby, of course, it's always good to have our daily dose of the Gros. Dave Grosby, thank you so much. John, talk to you tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. And we'll be back tomorrow at 10. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.